Wars. Episode 0025. We have Castaway versus the Martian. Don't put the lime in the coconut. It ruins both the lime and the coconut. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 0025 of the Movie Wars podcast. I have made podcast! I am Kyle. Let me get this straight. We have a podcast now, and it's in Nashville. I'm Drew. Well, it's a good thing I'm a botanist. I'm Phil. <laughs> so fucking the convenient. The best botanist in the world. Jeez Louise. We have Castaway versus The Martian. And this was a, you know, sometimes we quarrel about our pickups, you know, our matchups. We'll have cigars, and we'll be like, Drew will toss one out. I'll toss one out. We'll pick it apart to death. Drew literally texted this one out, and we were like, that makes total sense. And we literally didn't quarrel or argue. We just knew it made sense because of this isolated man concept. It's such a compelling, kind of daunting thing to think about the isolated man concept. It's interesting because I was thinking about why is it so compelling and I think the proof that isolation, survivalism, being alone on an island or a planet is so compelling because think about what happened to Chuck Nolan before he got on the island. How did he get there? A crazy scary traumatic plane crash where he hit the ocean. After that though, do you ever think about the plane crash again? You know what? That's I, a good point. No. I never thought about it until the pilot's body floated up but, but after that I'm like I just like, how is he going to survive? I hope he doesn't get attacked by an mm. animal. Hope he doesn't drown. He's in the sun. He's all he's against the elements. All I could think about were those things, but you you forget that he already went through one traumatic thing, but you're only thinking about that isolation. And it's truly daunting. And I also was thinking, does Castaway hit differently now than it did when it first came out? Because think about the iPhone wasn't out yet. We yeah. have generations of people now that grew up with Google Maps and didn't never wrote in cursive. The idea of actual survivalism and being stranded is probably so daunting to a group of people that have never not had technology in their pockets. I'm part of that, right? I mean, I, I didn't get my first iPhone until I was 23, but I still don't know how to use a real map. And I would rather... <laughs> I, I would rather surrender to the enemy or be eaten by a bear than try to figure out how to use a map. So if I get stranded, I'm screwed. It's really interesting because I, I often argue that we're devolving. We've hit this part in evolution where we have created technology to do things for us to create such high levels of comfort that if I know personally, I'm so dependent on those things that if I did get in a survival situation, I would not do well. So I do think that this, and now the Martian doesn't play in as much because he's, because he's an astronaut, he's technological by trade. So I was going to say, in all fairness, he is in space with no air to breathe, 100% dependent on nothing breaking. Yes. That's the only, I would say that's the big difference. Tom Hanks was a little dependent on the ship not breaking. This is true. I mean, when the, he was escaping. The but he could have lived there forever. He'd made it four years. He was in great shape. He's looking good. <laughs> he did A little look crazy. A little skin cancer yeah, here and there. Yeah. But... We'll probably get to that later but that was legitimately a thought of mine while watching that movie. I was like, he's outdoors Same. in the sun all, all the, the time. time. Like, at what point does he just get skin cancer from this shit? This also, how did he not get an infection from his tooth when he's ripped it out with an ice skate? Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, that's Hollywood magic right Salt there. water, maybe. Yeah. This yeah. shows you how that fragile and, and not capable of survival I am. The whole time, I'm just like, when's he gonna get a shower? Does he have wipes? Did he find baby <laughs> wipes in those boxes? Anything scented? Anything to cover the smell of not showering? I mean, come he's on. He's in his late 30s. Surely he has hemorrhoids. You know? <laughs> but you know, lastly, from a movie perspective, it's weird seeing actors not act with other actors. You know, it's, it's so he's, they're isolated as characters, but 
as actors, yes, they have the crew in the film, but they're not dialoguing. Castaway is very silent on the, I wants to get to the island unless he's talking to himself or talking to Wilson. It's very quiet. You're hearing the ocean. It's interesting seeing actors just be by themselves. Great actors. Did that kind of pop out to you guys? It's like, oh, wow. how do you do that as a great actor with no interaction? Yeah, man, especially Hanks because he's so far out there. You know, like he's just so far away. I mean, obviously so is Damon, but he's got like, I don't know, he's on a ship that a bunch of people were just on and like he's got all their stuff and he's talking to this journal, the video diary and he's getting emails. Like he's not as isolated or doesn't feel like he's as isolated as Hanks. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think just Hanks did an amazing job of storytelling visually. Oh, yeah, nonverbal. Yeah. What did you ask? I was just caught. <laughs> I, I, I killed all the equipment since so your question. You did, so. you, I hope there's some kind of clipping sound or something that sounds like a, like we got attacked. Because oh, there will be. Don't Phil worry. Phil just decided randomly in his studio to carry a chair across. We still don't know why. He said it was making noise, but then he unplugged everything from the computer and the wall. Yeah, it was It was a moment. <laughs> Phil Ugh. is a particular man. It was a great moment. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> let's, actually, let's just. Let's give it up for yeah. Phil. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, staying. we were just talking about aside from the characters being isolated, the actors are having to act isolated. Totally. They're not dialoguing, they're not interacting. It's weird seeing great actors without anyone else around them. Yeah, I mean, I the thing that really blew me away was how one that they were able to shoot a film on Mars and how Damon was able to actually act in space. Like that part just really <laughs> I just couldn't believe how good that how great of a job he did. I mean, Kyle's not even listening. I was I, I was I was just blown away too at Mars's gravitational field that he was actually able to walk on Mars and Mars is what like three quarters the size of the Earth so he should have been bouncing a bit yeah, but some budget there apparently it holds him down yeah and that was a criticism it's like if, with all the science and stuff they went for it's like that's not what it would look like to walk on Mars oh so was that real that was I was kind of just that I was, was no that was a real criticism it obviously did, epically it did not mimic the actual gravitational wow field of Mars. Just in terms of like he didn't like levitate as high when he was walking. He kind of just walked. Uh, yeah, yeah like, he did. I noticed it was like normal as yeah. if he was on Earth. Experiences? I have some. Uh, Experiences. I watched Martian for the first, The Martian for the first time two years ago. I really had, I enjoyed it. I love space. I love really most of, most of the things that Ridley Scott does. Uh, you know, he swings and misses here and there. But I really did just enjoy like the concept of a, just putting a man out there and watching him figure it out. And there's kind of like, now, you know, with Elon Musk trying to get us to Mars and Leo DiCaprio is like on the list to go to Mars. There's kind of like this and has been for 20 years, this kind of fascination as a culture with like one day, let's, you know, get to Mars. We'll colonize Mars, whatever. So just sort of like breaking ground on that, that concept was interesting to see how it could all work. And, you know, can you really farm potatoes on Mars? And, you know, it's just all very interesting. And I thought Damon was very good. Wasn't great, but I feel like he was very good, very interesting. But I just, you know, like, like, we've already discussed it love them the isolated man trying to survive thing castaway is kind of the archetype of that you know in in movies at least in a modern sense and i just watched it for the first time a week and a half ago and <laughs> i don't know how i lived 20 whatever four years of my life without having seen this movie it's absolutely incredible how you what, were you alone that, on an island when you told me that you'd never seen it before i was like i was i was blown away because that it's such a ubiquitous film like you were cast like, away he was cast away yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you were, if you grew up 
in our era, anywhere around that, if you were a kid, an adult, whatever, if you were alive in the year 2000, you saw Castaway. I know. It's wild. And I actually cl- claim to be a Tom Hanks fan. You like, are I a Tom I love Hanks Forrest fan. Gump. I love Big. I love, you know, Toy Stories and, you know, just like anything that he, he did in the 90s, really. And by the way, can we just talk about the 90s? Give it, up for, give it up for the 90s. No, I mean, Tom Hanks specifically, that nine-year, ten-year run that he had from Big, I don't know, that was what, like late 80s? That mm-hmm. was my 89, I think. Dude. So here we go. I'll start from 2000. 2000's Castaway, 99's Green Mile, Toy Story 2 in 99. You've got Mail in 98, Saving Private Ryan in 98, That Thing You Do in 96. Which he directed, by the way. Toy Story in 95, Apollo 13 in 95, Forrest Gump in 94, Philadelphia in 93, 93, Sleepless in Seattle, 92, A League of Their Own. I'm telling you, man. 90, Joe versus the Volcano, which isn't a great, oh, one of my favorites in 89, Turner and Hooch. So really, A League of Their Own in 92 to Castaway in 2001, that nine-year run that he rips off is unheard of. one of the most extraordinary accomplishments in acting history unheard of i mean all-time great dominated the decade anyway i i can't believe i somehow lived as long as i did without seeing this movie it's like you were raised on an island uh yeah just you know trying to survive on raw crab and i don't know it, it was just extraordinary i had so much fun with it i laughed i cried i was happy i was angry i was sad i was it was just everything was it, yeah i'm still reeling and i was watching the special features for castaway and and roberts and Mac and Hanks have knocked it out of the park twice together. So they did Forrest Gump, which mm-hmm. is one of those weird generational untouchable movies. Zemeckis does this, by the way, Back to the Future. I mean, this guy, like, he pops in, is like, I'm not only going to make a great film, I'm going to make one that's going to stay with us. Yeah, about once every 10 years, he'll, he'll zip in and just drop, like, a iconic movie. Yeah, and it's incredible. And, and they're all memorable. They're all movies that stay with us. He, but the way Hanks talks, He's easy to work with. He's chill. I don't, no matter how and freaking, last week we talked about Cruz and Pitt. So that's Hank's territory, a super freaking AAA movie star, right? But he never, we don't know these people personally. So let's not, let's not bash ourselves over the heads with maybe they're good guys or not. But it's obvious that Hank's is easy to work with. He doesn't take himself that seriously. He's not a method guy. He's not like Daniel Day Lewis out there. He's not like methody to the core, like Harvey Keitel or De Niro. But he's just out there doing his thing. He's successful all the time. It must be, aside from being a great actor, he's fun to work with. And the thing that I love about Hanks, and to your point about Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, there are these great actors who they step in to a role, and you for, you kind of forget who they are. You know, you forget that that's Daniel Day-Lewis. So you just, you're into the character. Whereas Hanks, and Cruz, and Pitt, and some of these great, they're great actors, yes, but they're great movie stars. And in that, what I mean by that is that they always have, uh, you're always connected to the actor as well as the character. Denzel Washington is another one of these. Like, there's like, yes, they're playing different characters and they're crushing those characters, but you're always like, oh, that's, there's Hanks. Like, whether it's Woody or whether it's Chuck Nolan or whether it's Forrest Gump, you know, it's different facets of the same guy, but it's always still Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? You're you're always kind of in love with the essence of that guy. Um, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You're down there, Hanks in the, you were Hanks Mm. in the. uh, Got a Hanks-er in. Sorry, I'm kitchen tonight, you know. (laughs) Just down there. Phil is food. making his brisket. The minute it got warm in Nashville, Drew sent a little message out. He's like, "Hey, by the way, brisket is three ninety nine a pound. Just making sure <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want anybody to miss that deal, <laughs> Phil." <laughs> <laughs> 
and I fell As for it. Make me brisket. I did not have a, an ulterior motive. I just know that we've talked about brisket prices yeah. in the past. And I thought it's that true. looked cho- chode. Cheap. <laughs> Listen, even if I you thought did, that my chode was. Geez. I thought it looked like a chode. This particular brisket. Movie wars behind the scene. Two things. Phil makes an extraordinary brisket, an above average brisket, an incredible brisket. And, and even Drew if you, enjoys an above. Even if you did have an ulterior motive, I get it. You, you I, I've seen your eyes when he brings the brisket out. Drew's eyes. Something happens. He's not the guy I've known since 2006. He's someone else. I'm a changed man. <laughs> Phil, what are your experiences with these films, baby? First off, I want to say that these films for me, while being essentially like the same concept but in two different locations, I think from a filmmaking perspective are two very, very different films in the form of storytelling. But I love them both equally for very different reasons. I saw Castaway. Man, I don't even know. I, I don't remember the first time I saw this. I feel like this was another one of those movies that was just perpetually on television. And I would catch little pieces of it here and there over the years. Like I remember, and this movie came out when I was a teenager and you know, the house I grew up in, my mom was like, you're not going to see this because it apparently has the most realistic plane crash scene in it of any movie ever made. And even now, like 20 some odd years later, I mean, obviously I've never been in a plane crash, but I would imagine that was pretty damn realistic. It That's felt a like a real scene. I was Dude, frightened. And it was long. <laughs> like mm. it just kept They picked their spot going. to go to, you know, they, they made that a little long in a good way. Like when I say yeah. good, I was terrified. I mean, and then I, I loved, uh, this is kind of getting granular, but I loved the hopelessness of Hanks hanging onto that netting and watching one of the pilots get hit in the head with something. And you can see in his eyes, like he wants to help the guy, but there's, I mean, he knows they're going to crash. There's nothing he can do. <clears throat> He's just standing there watching the dude bleed out in the plane. What but do you anyway, do if you're on a plane and you just, you're staring out the front and you just are just seeing the ocean just come at you? At, I mean, what do you, nothing. Like, how do you, how would over. you react? I mean, you're just like, we're going to crash into that thing. That's why I feel you're like just this. just a product of your own <laughs> impulses and adrenaline at that point. Yeah, it's like, you run in circles until it happens. That scene know. got to me for that reason. I was like, what would I do if I was staring at the ocean on a plane going down? Dude, that was, <laughs> I would love to see how they shot that scene because they got some serious acrobatics out of people that I'm not sure you can just flippantly create in a studio setting. But all that to say, I saw Castaway multiple times over the years um, on television, sometimes in full, but as we know, like back in the day on TV when they'd show a movie, they'd cut certain scenes out to make room for commercials. And so I honestly am not sure that I saw the theatrical version of the movie until I watched it for this podcast. And it was all very familiar to me, but that, that's that been a movie I've always loved. Like, I feel like it's super underrated for what it is. Like, you don't see it kind of heralded in, in like the, the hall of great films or whatever. But man, that that movie in a lot of ways is a, is a serious accomplishment just from an acting standpoint. And like Kyle's mentioned before, the isolated man thing, like Hanks was, I mean, the whole movie was Tom Hanks alone on an island and it was fantastic. The Martian I saw when it first came out and then I've seen it a few times since and I actually own it and I don't know how. I don't remember Physical? buying it. Yeah, no, the digital copy, oh. which I must have bought it by accident or something. But that was another movie. It, <laughs> he's like Ouch. ashamed that he owns There's the no movie. There's no way I could possibly have ever wanted it. He's this. like, I didn't mean to. I swear, I didn't mean no, to No, maybe I movie. did buy it. I don't know. But man, I that movie is so flawed, but it's still so good. Like it's got a lot of issues, but it's one of those movies like kind of like Fast and the Furious for me. It's I recognize that it's not an incredible movie, but I still thoroughly enjoy it. And also like Drew, I love space. And so Isolate a Man in Space on the heralded planet of Mars. And I feel like that's a great plot. So both of these films are just an absolute blast to watch. My experiences really are, I want to talk about Tom Hanks. He's a guy that it's hard not to watch a bunch of his movies because he has a bunch of them and he has a bunch of great ones. And I kind of never put it all together until we started doing this podcast. I'm like, Hanks is like amazing. (laughs) 
He's, well, how many people have seen a Tom Hanks movie? You'd be hard pressed to find somebody that hasn't. At least twelve. Yeah, there's at least minimum 12. a dozen people have seen. Uh, you were out of the room for a second, but we talked about Tom Hanks' catalog. And yeah, from from ninety two to two thousand one, he had a nine year run that he ripped off of just like the number of movies he did. It was like twelve films in nine years or something, and they were all massive, yes. recognizable. Like either he was critically acclaimed and won Oscars, or mm -hmm. the movie was critically acclaimed and won Oscars, or the movie was just like blockbuster. You know, Apollo thirteen, The Toy Story, oh, dude, Apollo 13. Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump. I mean, it's just like not over and over and over again. He's just like line them up, knock them down. He was always in the hunt for the biggest movie of the year. Like yeah. he was gonna if. He was in the top top five, yeah. you know, movies of the year conversation. So Castaway, I I watched it when it came out, and I always loved it. You know, it's it, it was never it was never a movie that made it necessarily to my top fifty, but watching it, I'm just like, damn, this is good. And and it's I also so it's so good. And watching it for this podcast, I started thinking about Robert Zemeckis, like we talked about earlier. You know, his catalog is really interesting. Having Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, and Castaway in your in your filmography, he has other films, but that's enough. I mean, Back to the future was a cultural phenomenon. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we don't even have to... I mean, Forrest Gump is enough said. I mean, you don't have yeah. to say we know that movie. That movie... you guys remember when that movie came out? Which the, one? The Forrest Gump. Just oh, the yeah. cultural... It was... Yeah, it, I felt like everyone at the same time was talking about it constantly. Yes. Like, I don't know what it... Because even seeing it... I've seen it a handful of times, and I like it. It's great, but it never did anything to me. But it, something about Forrest Gump really resonated with me. Well, there was a lot of quotable moments in that movie. It's true. You know, the run, forest, run. Box, and box chocolates. of chocolates. So, yep. Yeah, mom always said, you know. Gen A. Gen A. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, framing in this up, Zemeckis, like a guy I don't think about a lot. Hank's a guy I don't think about a lot. But then we get to this podcast and I just got major props for both of them. I think Zemeckis has an emotional thing in his filmmaking where he just tugs at your emotions. Like he just, whether it's through music or moments or he uses silence a lot. Like he did this in Forrest Gump. He also didn't cast away. He uses the quiet. A lot of the moments that are very emotional between Forrest and Jenny, it's the sound of rain. There's not even dialogue. They're in the same room. She's asleep. It's just very powerful stuff. The Martian, you know, for me was was only tough because Ridley Scott is one of my absolute favorites. And I remember seeing it thinking, this is a huge cast with, I felt like, not a ton of powerful performances. And I couldn't help but think, is like, what would happen if we threw an acid-blooded alien into this group and like a grenade? <laughs> it's like all of a sudden halfway through the film, like, then the performances get a little more interesting. And it made me wonder about about Scott as a you know he's an actors director he's someone that knows how to coach actors it made me wonder it's like without those elements like Blade Runner obviously had those heavy sci-fi elements can he be that guy for this tremendous cast I mean Ch Jessica Chastain five top five actors for me incredible I love Kate Mara from House of Cards Michael Pena is fantastic and everything he does but I just felt like nobody was giving me anything Damon was giving the most like even Jeff Daniels a guy I love I thought he was more he was better and Dumb and Dumber than he was here. And and again, I like the movie. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone curious. Yeah. Loved it, Jeff back. Daniels. Not funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I watched Literally, it. Literally, that's one of my absolute favorite Drew rant moments. We should have named... Hey, I will say, though, Jeff Daniels, he was the director of NASA. I'm sorry, the director of NASA sounds like someone that would be super dull. Yeah. No disrespect to whoever the director of NASA is. So, I mean, In all fairness, astronauts in general, like, you know, there are I like 17 any. astronauts out there, but like, hopefully none of them listen to this podcast. But I mean, I can't imagine... I mean, astronauts are not just like, you know, these crazy dudes that are like, fuck yeah, spacemen. They're like... <laughs> 
dude, they're smart, yeah, extremely educated, capable people. And so, you know, there's a sometimes the perception of dullness that comes with being so intelligent, you know? Um, yeah. So, and the, you're making your. That, that's my point is I think that Jeff Daniels played a really dull character in like uh, on purpose I need my NASA my NASA directors coked out okay? I need <laughs> I need I need there's your screenplay I need yes <laughs> one man yeah. NASA cocaine but uh it, all that to say <laughs> I'm sorry real quick I love when Donald Glover <laughs> He's like, okay, you you stand over there. Who who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so and so. I'm the director of NASA. <laughs> no, yeah. what is he like? Oh, that good, was good like, for you okay, or something. Your Earth. <laughs> yeah. Anytime Donald Glover was in it, what that the, it got kicked up. A when notch. he threw up, it, when he puked into the like Dude. metal the trash so can good. that it just dripped through it. It's great. All that to say, these movies really play on a, on a legitimate fear of mine. I was joking about it earlier, but being stranded alone in a situation where I have to survive. I'm just being honest. I'm doing a self-assessment bear in front of you guys and you you guys are my two best friends you're not going to be surprised by this it's not preferable that i end up alone on an island for a long period of time no, no i not. will not make it my own fear will kill me before any animal or poisonous <laughs> berry it does my own fear and anxiety will kill <laughs> me first. we just look up to the summit and see kyle just yeah. jumping off yeah <laughs> how long you think he's been here two days here's two the question days, he's already jumping would you test the rope first though that's i mean knowing you you probably would you, yeah you would test it the needs rope. to be surefire you don't want to be paralyzed and alive for a long time because you did a shitty noose. Oh god, just laying there on the rocks, yeah. just bleeding out for a day and a half. Yeah. Fuck that. That's worse. I mean, that's that's awful. <laughs> of course, also knowing me as clumsy as I am, and I I would fail <laughs> to kill myself you'd, in that you'd situation. You'd be trying to put the rope, and you just trip and fall <laughs> over the edge. I would, and then I would. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a random. That got real dark. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to put the kill myself you would thing. You suck in at the, killing yourself. Yeah. All right, let's move yeah. on. We you were trying you. to kill you. Kill you'd kill yourself trying to kill yourself. I'm feeling you so dumb. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm feeling so loved right now. How about these randos? Let's <laughs> let's get some gravitational pull around these randos. This was to me the most interesting thing about The Martian. So it's based on a book by an author named Andy Weir. Andy Weir at first released his book for free in serial fashion. So he released it in serial episodes, basically part at a time for free. And then someone, some one of his fans is like, hey, can you please, you know, get this in Kindle form or digital form so I can read it this way? So then he just starts charging 99 cents for it. He is, he sells millions of copies this way. He's just kind of putting it out there. Not even this? really. This is Andy Weir, the guy who wrote The Martian, the book. The, oh, the okay. The Martian. I, was, I thought you were talking about. talking about. And so he's just, he just, he just, okay, well, I'll just make it 99 cents on Amazon then. Sells millions of copies. And guess what? Guess what happens? Random House approaches him and gives him a print deal. Four days later, Fox options it for a movie. So this guy has been giving it away for free. Then he sells it for 99 cents. He gets a book deal. Four days later, Fox is like, this is a movie. So it, it was just so good. It must have been an amazing book. Yeah. Well, the reason people like it is because he he's not a he's not an astronaut, but he is a science nerd and he loves space. And so he did all the self-research himself. And he openly admits a lot of my science is wrong. It's not all great because I am just a fan. Like we're fans of movies. He's fans of science. And so he went out of his way to do as much as he could for scientific realism. It's like a lot of our opinions are wrong, but we're just fans, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, we we never claim to be film experts here. We're not teaching a class, although maybe we should. Movie Wars <laughs> How to be a film fan. Yeah, how to be the fanniest of fans <laughs> for films. We'll call it the fanny pack. So the... <laughs> I love it. So a lot of the Red Planet is CGI, but they also went to a very specific location where a lot of Mars-related films were filmed. It's called... Can I, I guess? Nevada? Close. Wadi Rum and Jordan. 
Oh, of course. <laughs> Close. Also, also, lots of casinos. I'm kidding. I don't know. But Mission to Mars was filmed there. Red Planet, The Last Days on Mars. It's like, if you're making a Mars movie, go ahead and book that place. Fuck so, yeah. Very cool. All filmed. So, but a lot of the Red Planet was CGI. Lastly, for The Martian, NASA was very heavily involved. Once they found out that they were making this movie, they wanted to be involved. They wanted to coach the science. So they had NASA consultants. People were coming from NASA on set. They had constant hands on, on the making of this movie. That makes sense. I mean, they're brand is all over everything and it's not like there's some private business selling ads but you know at the end of the day they have a reputation to uphold yeah and just to, I wanted to have more randoms about The Martian but you know what's interesting is you know we talk about how some of the greatest films of all time face a lot of adversity that movie did not like the book was so coveted they like were like we want to make a movie and then they said man I wish we could get a Ridley Scott like director they literally said that like well we just need a Ridley Scott type and then they got Ridley Scott and then wow. he, was like, he was like well here's all the actors I want literally every actor he wanted in every role he got <laughs> so it's like that's, I mean this movie uh, just fell into place. But that's okay. I feel like that's that's a rando in itself. It's like every movie that we've covered on this podcast has faced an obscene amount of adversity. It feels like, like you just said, and I mean for this one to have not, I mean that's pretty cool. Like, mm -hmm. why does everything have to be a struggle? Sometimes shit just works. You know, that's great. Yeah, Meanwhile, yeah but it doesn't give me a lot of randos, and well, that's what it's about, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly, the randos, exactly. These randos make fire. Okay, Tom Hanks, he was the originator of this idea, and. And before he partnered with William Broyles, the screenwriter, the whole idea was based on, he read some random article in 1995 about these 747 planes taking hundreds and thousands of FedEx packages over the ocean. And he literally said to himself, what if that went down? And that is where the idea started. And the it went through 125 rewrites between the between the first iteration from Hanks and Broyles to what we got. That makes sense, actually, because it's so damn good. They like the, every There's not a wasted beat, I feel like. There's a quote that I heard a long time ago, and it applies to pretty much all creative media, but it was the best songs aren't written, they're rewritten. And I feel like that applies to movies for sure, and everything. And this goes out to anybody out there who's trying to do something creatively. Your first attempt doesn't need to be the attempt. And that's fine. Could be your 125th. Yeah. The best stuff. the first step of a marathon. Yeah, and they say with writing, especially with screenplays, books, creative things, like if you're writing your outline, like don't go back and fix spelling. Just get the ideas down. Like when, you're, when you have your idea fresh in it your brain, even need to be legible. just put it down. You don't need to spell check. You don't need to just get that idea on paper. It'll go back later and fix it in the 50th, whatever. Uh, Robert Zemeckis loves office equipment. He auditioned dozens of copy machines and they use the word in the special what? features audition. <laughs> what, what the fuck does that mean? What scene, a lunatic. In the scene where we first meet Helen Hunt and she's making copies in her office and Hank or, you know, Nolan sneaks up behind her. You mean the scene I don't even remember? Yes. That was a big deal to him. He, they auditioned quote unquote dozens of copy machines. He wanted to have a musical rhythm that they could do their little dance to. What? And so he, they would dance, and he would listen to the copy machine. Oh, bring okay, it, that makes sense. Bring in the next copy machine, and he wanted it to have a specific sound. And you know which one he went with? He went with the very first one that they ever auditioned. So he went through all. Maybe these. this is why nobody knows who the fuck <laughs> yeah. Robert Zemeckis is. I'm not saying that name, I'm and just, I heard yeah, he really yeah, likes. I know who Robert Zemeckis <laughs> is. <laughs> I'm hey, just playing. Hey, I mean, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump. He was he was already Robert fucking Zemeckis. Mm -hmm. It's true, and I love. Flight. I guess he's allowed at this point to audition copy machines. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I made Back to the Future. I invented like, the flux the capacitor. Again. That yeah. honestly sounds like something Coppola would have done during Apocalypse Now on the Island. You know, he's auditioning. No, that sounds like something fucking What's-His-Ass would have done. Uh, the other guy, whose Coppola's thorn in his side showed up fucking overweight. Brando. Marlon Brando. That sounds like yeah. something Brando would have done. Gotta, you, like, you gotta have uh, an office jet. You gotta have This copier's not good for my brand. I would be fine with this copier <laughs> if it was about 100 pounds lighter. Could we get a lighter copier? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they had a couple of island choices for this. They wanted 
to film in Hawaii. They wanted to film film in the Caribbean. It was just really hard to find bare real estate, non-commercial. And so they actually ended up in Fiji and they sent set designers to these four different islands. They came back with four different pictures and Zemeckis saw the one the one where they filmed. He's like, that one. And that's how they did it. I'm sure at the time, Epstein would have let them use his island. Oh, sure. This is probably (laughs) my favorite rando on Castaway because the island they chose is technically a tropical paradise. That's what it's classified as, which means it has beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises. They didn't want to capture that stuff because they never wanted the viewer to watch the island romantically. They didn't want to be like, I want to be there. Yeah, I want to go on that island for vacation with my kids. God, he's so lucky. Yeah, so they purposely did. I thought that anyway, for what it's worth. They did a lot of... He's alone. I I don't mind. I would love to be alone on an island with my copy machine. Yeah. Just make You've sure got I'm, a job and a ki- kids and the whole thing. It does sound nice for the like a day. Starts. Yep. And then four good. years rolls around and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and I miss I, everyone. My kid's 10 now. What the fuck? And if you got to go through a plane crash to get there, that's the brakes. I mean, you, <laughs> you do whatever you have to do to get some you time, right? Mm-hmm. So what? I take 30 minutes to take a shit. It's my house. Yeah. My island. <laughs> my island. If I go into that cave, that is my cave. Does he ever shit in the same place twice? You guys ever think that's of that? That's a good question. First time he ever shit on the island, I thought Did of that. He ever step in his own shit. Probably. He had to. Four well, years worth of shit. there's a scene shit. where he's pooping and he wipes and he kicks sand on it. Yeah. To make it go away. He does. <laughs> so does he just do that? Like pick, like move two feet to the left each time until he Probably. just circles the entire These island? These are the things that dudes are concerned with after watching yeah. this movie. <laughs> but anyway, so they used oversaturation, bad exposure when capturing light. They wanted the light to look bad and they wanted to dull the sunsets and dull the light because they didn't want us to feel romantically didn't connected. Work. It didn't work. Phil wants to be alone on an island. I don't even really, if it's really got bad exposures. They avoided the sunsets and the sunrises, but there was some beautiful scenes just of the, you know, the summit and the, just the scapes and the sounds and the trees, you know, it was very, there was no music. So you just heard island sounds. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the water was clear. It was just FedEx packages slowly drifting up. I mean, even on this island, you're getting FedEx. Yeah, you're getting FedEx packages on the island. Do you think Chuck Nolan posted on Facebook before he left? I'm taking a break from social media for a while. Peace. LOL. LOL. I'm done. I'm taking a break. You got to announce your break. Or else it's not real. Facebook. post to say you're not going to post wasn't for around, a while. FYI. Ooh, idea. Amazon remakes Castaway on Amazon Prime and it's an Amazon plane full of Amazon Prime packs. Ooh. What better publicity? And Bezos is the guy. <laughs> There is so of those 125 rewrites, there is a version where Wilson actually talks back oh, no. to Chuck Nolan, yeah, and that wouldn't have worked. And Helen Hunt's character is in a smoke vision talking to him. Okay, so it's like a he goes crazy kind of thing. They don't say he goes crazy. I think they they actually talk about it like it's almost symbolic, or maybe he's dreaming. But I'm glad they did not do that because the the isolation was so perfect in that movie that if all of a sudden that volleyball actually starts talking to him, I think it breaks believability. Yeah, that'd be a stretch. Yeah, It'd be so weird. Phil, how would you talk to a volleyball that started talking to? You. Dude, if the volleyball started talking to me, I'd probably be really terrified. Imagine if like a volleyball was like, dude, I was on this subreddit and Well, if he was talking about Reddit, I'd just punt his ass over the the nearest <laughs> roof line and never see him again. Does he have an ass? <laughs> yeah. Well You'd be like, fuck just you. Pick I was a always more and... of a soccer ball guy myself anyway. Yeah. Have you ever asked yourself why Wilson the volleyball? Well, William Broyles Jr., the writer who partnered with Hanks to write this, went on a survival camp, like an island survival camp thing to get experiences because he wanted to put himself so he's like the most method guy in the situation mm-hmm. and he's a writer. He didn't he's not even an actor. 
actor, but he did find a washed up volleyball on the island where he did the survival training stuff. No so way. he learned how to get his own fish and he's like, it'd be fun to have this thing to talk to if I was stranded. And that's where Wilson came from. So much of this movie is so like, just like, eh, we'll try that. Oh, that's good. It's like, just Hank sees a plane in the sky. What if that thing went down? For what it's worth. Wow. On, one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> the, the Wilson thing for all of my viewings of this movie never really connected as like something believable until this viewing. And I think maybe it's because I'm older and I understand, you know, more the concept of like loneliness or something. It suddenly hit me that like, I get it. Like, it's almost like a pet and a buddy. And like, imagine if he didn't have Wilson to just talk to. Yeah. I mean, just imagine not speaking to another human for yeah, four a years. month, let alone yeah. a year, let alone four. Yeah. I would struggle. I mean, with no strangers. Everybody. With I think no everybody strangers would. coming by. Like, hey, have you seen Uncharted yet? Um <laughs> That made more. it into the last episode. Yeah, we're going to keep talking about that. We talked a little bit about the music, but Alan Silvestri, who's the composer, didn't have a lot to do, but what Zemeckis says, the reason he loves working with him is because he knows how to use silence. And the whole intention was they didn't want you to hear any score in this film until the very moment he catches that when he's on his raft that he made and he's gone. And my God, did they <laughs> did they pick a moment? Because the minute that string section comes in, I was in tears. <laughs> Did yeah, you? That's beautiful. I just was thinking, like, he's been there four years. Obviously, he wants to go home, but this has been his life. And seeing it, like, in a postcard, and it looked like a postcard, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, the view he had, and all of a sudden, the strings, ooh, and beautiful strings. That was the first moment you ever hear score. Beautiful. You got some great Elvis songs, but. Yeah, you do get a couple of needle drops. A couple more randos here. We almost lost Tom Hanks in this movie. He almost died. Did you guys know that? No. No. He got a staph infection and, like his character, cut himself on coral in the water. No way. Like his, And he just was like, it's fine. We don't need to treat it. Well, it got infected. It got staph infection, and he had to be treated. And it it was, if you don't know anything about staph infection, sometimes you can't kill it. You can't make it go away. So Was that in the script before he it happened to him? Or that, uh, be that I don't know. I do think it was in the script. For what it's worth, that coral gas his thigh open thing was fucking brutal. That was painful. And I don't believe he would have survived that shit if he was on an island by himself. And I don't, don't believe it. I don't claim to be a coral expert, but I have heard from people that coral is rough. Coral will fuck you up. Coral, there's a reason why it's a reef and not like a coral gang or yeah. a coral. <laughs> we're coral friends. It's a reef. Yeah. Reef. Last rando. What's reef backwards? Fear. Oh. 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 What are you smoking? Reefer. Reef. Reefer. Barely. And if you want to get a 10% discount at certain locations, you refer a friend using your email. Oh my yep. gosh, dude. Yep. Reeves. <laughs> Reeves. We've been reading the dark web, ladies and gentlemen. And once you mm -hmm. shave your dog and their hair grows back, they refer. Oh, oh god oh, damn. Oh. I hate it when Drew gets the last one. <laughs> yeah. He's he's always <laughs> that was terrible, but I took it. But you yeah. win. You always just when I think, yeah, that was pretty good. Then Drew is like, oh yeah, well, you haven't heard mine yet. Yeah, he flies in from above. And lasers, during the holidays, blazing. you hang a nice Christmas reef. I have never we well, are we like reef wizard witherspoon? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Drew! <laughs> <laughs> I just I just almost said Reef Wizard Spoon. Oh. Her last name was, should be Wizard Spoon. Like, what is a Wizard Spoon? Who the fuck knows? But the cereal probably comes to your mouth without even having to scoop it. Tastes like that Reef is Pieces? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Drew! He's in his mode. This will be a bonus this segment. This is where, he, this is, you know what this is? You're a big Mario fan. You just hit, a, you got a star just now. Thank you. And you're just, fireballs about this. Nothing Phil and I Reef can do. Joke, Reef joke, Reef joke, Reef joke. We, if you've not, if you've learned one thing about Drew in 25 episodes, this is his kingdom. This is where he reigns. Yeah, his mushroom kingdom is just. <laughs> <filled with> <laughs> 
<laughs> last one here. So last one, best one. Um, Tom Hanks. This is fucking Taxi Driver all over again. Well, no, I we only did three from Martian, so I made up for it. Fair with enough. Castaway. Fair enough. But it's a very interesting film. You're right, though. There's a lot. I did try to get away with a lot here because my story hook was shorter. They had to make sure that when they were filming, because so many of the cameras were mounted to boats, so they had some in the water, but they had a bunch of them attached to boats. Sure. So whenever Hanks would have to be in the water, they had to find spots where the tide was going a specific direction. So many hours were spent just finding a place where to making sure the tide wasn't pulling the camera away when it needed to be going forward and where Hank could actually walk and they oh. were exhausted. These boats played a huge role though because they were taking in the equipment, anything they needed, the food for the day, uh, the cameras, the film, whatever they needed for the day. Like if they forgot something, it was like a two hour round trip to go to the nearest place where they were keeping the stuff. They were like, don't forget shit, okay? Because <laughs> it's gonna ruin the day if you do. Every time I think I want to make a movie. <clears throat> yeah, dude, yeah, it's so demanding. Oh, I want to make all the movies. Uh, I, I heard in a Hank's interview that this was one of his most enjoyable films of his career to film because he and his family were put up in like this beautiful like like Chateau. Bora Bora style island house or whatever oh, God and like bless. he's like amazing. I just would wake up every morning have a cup of coffee you know watch the sunrise you know then I'd get picked up by a boat and like you know couriered over across to the island and like I'd work for a few hours and then I'd just go back and have a dinner watch the sunset on an island with my really family really sucks to be a movie star he's like it was right? like just the most amazing gig and that was like three to four months just unbelievable you're so right but you you know what makes me laugh is thinking about the other island experience we did with Apocalypse Now. It's like you got Hanks. He's like, sunsets, meals, coffee. Coppola's like, I want to kill myself to get out of this. <laughs> Literally putting Yeah, it people are having heart attacks at the age of 39. <laughs> Civil War. It's like, which island are we going to? Yeah, they're taking their helicopters back anyway. I say, let's war, but let's get away. Real quick, the reason that we got lost was because of Castaway. That's right. Tell the story. I don't actually know the entire story except that the creator of Lost, not J.J. Abrams, his his favorite movie was uh, Castaway, and so he's like, what does this look like on TV? And you can see it. You can see that. For sure. That's really cool. I'm glad you said it because I had already hit my, I was already pushing my rando limits. Damon Lindelof. That I guy. knew that was yep. his name. His, yeah. Yep, he saw it and was like, and then that's, Abrams, is, so I always kind of, because I never really watched the show, I thought Abrams created it, but they gave him that idea to yep. direct, so. Not let's, only shall we war, let's get away. Let's shall get we, away. Shall like we it. get away? Let's, let's get lost. Let's isolate these categories. And I'm so glad, Phil, guess who's back now that we're back home? Home and not on vacation. Wilson. Appad. Derek Henry. Our fourth member. Appad. I've even I put I painted eyes on my iPad with blood oh. and I stuck some grass. We're not gonna it, do best top bill cast though. We're gonna go ahead and just do leading man battle. Which is also Top Bill Cast. Top Bill yeah. Cast. Tom versus Matt. Need I say their last names? Okay, I will. Hanks versus Damon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'll go ahead and kick off. Um, Both first names as well. Is Hanks a first name? Hank. But Hanks? No, oh, come on. Uh, oh, well, try to tell me you don't know multiple Hanks. I've been. T I, I want to go first here. I'm just going to kick us off. I think I'm going to agree with you. Hanks. Yep. It's got to be Hanks here. I. Uh, it's going to be Hanks. He has... <laughs> I think if if I had to pick one word to describe Hanks, it's charming. He's just so charming in every every you know in the punt game, special teams, offense, defense. He's charming. Um, everyone knows if you've listened to this podcast, I am not the biggest Matt Damon fan as a leading actor. I did like I actually really liked him in The Departed as a supporting. You like him when he's in the corner where he fucking belongs. I like him when he's in the corner, but when he's leading man, he kind of drives me insane. I I just the jokes. One Ridley Scott said he really liked his dry sense of humor, and that's one of the things he loved about him in the role. It got old to me pretty quick, whereas Hank's using very few words. We got two actors.
actors not interacting with people, right? Hanks just opens it up and a lot of it was nonverbal. A lot of it was the face mm. or him getting pissed off that he can't make fire or it was just all the, it was all the stuff he didn't say. And I, I honestly just think this this category is a complete whopping for, for Mr. Hanks. So I go Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks, I don't really think I need to explain myself. He smacked the shit out of Matt Damon in that movie. It was a, an emotional performance. It was believable. Matt Damon, he did good for what it's worth. I mean, he's trying to he's trying to simulate an experience that literally no one has ever experienced. I mean, I'm sure there are people in the world who've been stranded on islands, but no one is, to my knowledge, has been stranded in space that we know of. It was it was still a really great film, but man, Hanks's performance was unparalleled in that situation. His ability to give human emotions to the ball through himself, like Hanks gave life to Wilson. Wilson wasn't alive, but Hanks gave him life via his conversational style with him and all that. It was a top-notch performance, and to me, it's a no-brainer. And tacking on one thing, we, we, we're just thinking about him on the island for the most part, because that's what the movie's about, but him as a dedicated FedEx employee, I mean, come on. Dude, he was dead. <laughs> he dude, was he's, fucking serious. Also, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like we keep landing on these bizarrely timely movies with culture and weird shit. Yeah, like, Russia. We did Apocalypse Now versus Platoon, and now, like, there are war scenarios happening in the world, and then we did Moneyball, and Jeremy Giambi passed away while we were in the middle of prepping for that podcast, mm. and now Castaway... Russia. With the Russia it's thing. It's crazy, I know. He's in there screaming at Russians, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is not gonna age well. So anyway. Yeah. There's an everyman element of Hanks that I just love that I don't think that Damon really has. I mean, look, the, uh, what's more relatable, a FedEx guy or a botanist? I mean, a botanist by... I mean, botanist. Just the word botanist makes you sound like you're up your own ass. So I... I botanist. Yeah, I, just, I feel like you go to the doctor to have your botany done. Yeah. I feel like they're reaching up your botany to... Yeah. Ooh! <laughs> It hurts. It I'm, hurts so good. Hopefully there's no botanists out there listening, but <clears throat> I hope no They're, robotanists are taking over. From yeah. Dr. Robotanist. <laughs> from Sonic? <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah. Um, this is Everest Hanks. Like, this is Tom Brady already having won six rings. He's now sipping out of a coconut in the sunshine in Tampa, about to win his seventh. Like, he is... He's perched. He is Michael Jordan in game six of the 1998 playoffs. Like, he's already done Ooh, this thing several times, but he still somehow put the entire team on the back, on his own back, and he's doing it again. And had fun doing it. He was sipping coffee uh, in the morning. It, he's truly... Yeah, this is Hanks. Easy. Castaway is off to a one two. To zero lead. Get back in that iPad and give me that best supporting cast there, <laughs> Drewski. I'm so glad. Well, I, this isn't a layup for one movie over the other. I yeah. don't know what is. All right. The Martian, Jessica Chastain, Kristen Wiig, Kate Mara, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Sean Bean, Sebastian Stan, Benedict Wong, Mackenzie Davis, Donald Glover. Castaway. Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of other people. Oh, man. And Vilskis. we can throw in Paul Sanchez. He was like, he was, I think he was the pilot friend yeah. who yeah. died. Dirty or no, scene. he didn't die. He had his wife, his wife had cancer and died. That's right. Yeah. If the Martian was lacking in leading madness, it aggressively and scorched earthily makes up for it in supporting cast with possibly, is there a stronger supporting cast ever? I mean, that was loaded that with. That has done less. With, that has done less. That was loaded with 
people who have all had leading roles in either benchmark television shows or movies. You could split the supporting cast of The Martian up into thirds and those would be the top bills in three other movies. Exactly. Like that, right. the whole Martian cast, like I can't imagine the payroll with that. Like the, that was loaded. There wasn't yeah. a single person in that supporting cast that wasn't recognizable. Mm. So, I mean, landslide, planet slide for The Martian. Planet like, slide. Well, dust yeah. devils. They have dust devils up there. Yeah. Did you see those? Mm. Yeah. I'm a fan, not a critic. I'm a fan, not a critic. I love you, Ridley Scott, but dear God, you had every, you had so many of my favorite actresses in this movie. Our girl, you, you're the one that made me watch, um, Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire, McKenzie. Dude, Mackenzie Davis is unbelievable. She's the best actress in this movie. Yeah. I, and I, Chastain's top five for me. Mackenzie crushed it. She, I mean, in all fairness though, Jessica Chastain basically plays the same character in every movie. She is yeah. kind of like the smart girl, like that, that whole vibe. Mm -hmm. And um, when did Interstellar come out? Cause she was also redhead astronaut girl in that movie too. And that came out really close. And Zero, she was, she was top notch in Zero Dark Thirty. She um, was, that was still her best role. And then Kate Morrow with a uh, House of Cards. And She's and, great in House of Cards. Interstellar came out in 14. So we got, uh, that was the year before The Martian. So we have back to back years with Chastain being redheaded Austrian, uh, astronaut girl. Austrian astronaut. Good day, mate. <laughs> I, 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 I shrimp on the Barbie. I preface that I'm, I'm a fan. This goes Castaway. I would take Helen Hunt's performance over every performance in that supporting cast. Her eyes, man, and she does it in as good as it gets too. What's it like to be very wrong? It's fine. I I <laughs> think fine. I think Helen Hunt has a thing. I'm not saying she's the most versatile, but in as good as it gets in Castaway, she has a thing. She just has a look. She has this like puppy dog eyes. I don't know what it is, but when he comes home and he's at her house and she's showing him all the newspapers that she saved and she's taking him through the history, like she sold me. I love it. She did more acting in her limited moments than Chastain, Mara, and the only person I think really outacted themselves in the supporting cast of Martian was Mackenzie. I said it. I'm sorry. I Again, Chastain's top five for me. Not a great role for her. I'm confused by the entire Helen Hunt thing at the end because, again, I'm with you. I loved her at the beginning uh, and I even loved her in a lot of moments at the end, but like she didn't want to come in and see him at the office. She was too emotional. But then when he shows up at the door, she's like, she doesn't seem surprised that he's there. And she's just like, I don't know. Like she's just like got her maps laying around of like, oh, I think your ship went down here. And like, well, imagine the first time you see your merit, your re this is just me responding to what you're saying. Imagine being loving this man, him, you think he's dead, you build a new life, you find his back. Do you really want to have your first experience in front of all those people reconnecting with him? Think about it. She was supposed to go to this gigantic mm. festival party. Okay. It wasn't just an office party. It was like, he's back. Like, you know, it was this big thing. I mean, plus her husband, she ha would have to have done that in front of her new husband. So I was, I didn't really think about it until you said it, but I'm just trying to think. It's a good point. Maybe she couldn't handle that in front of people. She seemed weirdly ready for him, though. It just felt like, oh, hey, thanks for stopping by. I've got coffee on. Yeah. <laughs> Even though everyone's already asleep. Yeah, do you also, want coffee in the middle of the night? Why is she making night? coffee? Why doesn't she pour wine or something? It's the I, thing to do. I think she, I think maybe she just expected him and she's an intellectual. Wasn't she like an academic? She's like a professor of some kind. No. She was going to be a uh, He some, asked her why. She she never went and got her uh, That's right. master's or doctorate or something like that. So I do love Helen Hunt. That said, uh, the supporting cast, I think you just have to, for me, I have to give this to The Martian just because they had such a, such a greater load to carry. 
Carrie than the supporting cast of Castaway. It's true. There You're was right. no supporting cast in Castaway. There was a supporting actress, but there was no true cast. You know, and Donald Glover, I think, was pretty extraordinary. He just, like, exuded this vibe and this character. Like, every time he was on screen, I just, like, couldn't look away. Like, he was just so dialed in. I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, You actually said something that almost, I can't tell if it's changed my mind, but they didn't, while he's on the island, they don't go back to anyone, right? It's nope. con- It's just him and the island. The Martian, they're the constantly ping-ponging. They're asking them to do a lot more. I get that. I changed my yeah. answer. Yes. You don't have to. Right. It, they, it would have gone Martian anyway. The it doesn't mean shit, but thanks. The moment, well, the moments <laughs> are, I don't want to say Helen Hunt's awesome. I do think she outacts. But she wasn't in it very much. No one's in it a lot because I, I just it just hit me that in Castaway, we don't see any other cast until he comes back. And one thing I didn't say, and we talked about it before, we, we didn't really mention anytime Donald Glover was on screen, he elevated the comedy. Yeah. The comedy, uh, his his comedic well, he's delivery a funny motherfucker. was better I mean, that guy is brilliant. Damon. It was the only comedy that worked. And I, that was one uh, nit that I would pick on The Martian is it felt like it was such a serious, the material was so serious. I mean, the guy's lost in space. Yeah. That's, that's a sad situation. But I think they p- used comedy to kind of lighten it a little bit and it didn't really work for me. Like Watney was like, you know, just kind of hamming it up about how he's such a good botanist and like... I'm going to science the shit out of this. Wanna, yeah. That and, like, part, yeah, I wanted to kick him in the nuts when he said And that. just that whole music thread, like the just the bad disco music and like this is the least disco music sh- or disco mm-hmm. song I could find and like then he finally meets her at the end and he's like, you have terrible taste in music. Like that's the climax. Like, yeah, in the, yeah. in the middle of space like orbiting Mars. So none of that worked. Meanwhile, you have Kristen Wiig on your cast. Oh, God, Kristen Wiig is there. nothing funny. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that to her? Well, it's because Maybe she wanted take. it. I don't she think said she's she did. funny. She, oh. want, she took this role purposely to do something not comedic. She uh, actually, th- They actually interviewed her, and she or Scott said that she took the role to expand her resume. Also, Michael Pena. Hilarious. What are you doing? And a great dramatic actor. Terrible. Yeah. Waste. So I'm not the only one that said heavy-handed cast that does basically nothing. Except for Donald Glover and the girl, Mackenzie Davis, who doesn't get enough credit. She was in the newest Terminator. Dude, Mackenzie Davis is... Freaking rock star in Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated shows in the history of television. Especially on AMC. Yeah. Anyway, go check it out. It it explores the advent of tech in a way that no other show does, and Mackenzie Davis is a rock star in that show. She crushes it. She's great in Terminator 2, the new one. She's also in the newest Blade Runner, which was not directed by Ridley Scott, but It was directed by Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. We are tied at one to one, man. Which island are we hopping here? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into some bro categories. Bro-categories. All right, what would you rather do? Take your own tooth out with an ice skate or give yourself surgery and remove the rod thing? They both had to perform some self-surgery here to survive. Phil. Tooth with the ice skate, hands down. Oh, God, no. I do not want to ever sew my own body up. I am. <laughs> I have an irrational fear of needles. That you do? I, it is irrational. I have attempted to... Every, I, I, I am able to psych myself up to where I sit in the chair if I'm getting blood drawn until the moment the needle touches my body I am fine did you know right this? when that needle touches no. my body I turn whiter than the whitest white person you've ever seen I sweat through my clothes and then I need sugar afterwards <laughs> That's why our next episode is going to be Requiem for a Dream versus Candy. Dude, oh. A couple of heroin movies. 
I would rather knock my own tooth out with an ice skate because I could do that, but I could not. I like I was watching that scene. Like, okay, he has a rod through his stomach. This is a funny. This is a category because this was a real thing. I was sitting there grappling with this. <laughs> I do not think I could sew myself up. All this time I've known you, I had no idea about the needle thing. The needle. It's a problem. It's it's the one of the only things that I can zone uh, zoom in on that I am absolutely irrationally terrified. So of you're out needles. on because Drew and I were getting matching movie wars ass tattoos. Are you out on that venture? There's a reason. <laughs> I don't have tattoos and it's because it's because it is needles. Mm. If it wasn't needles, I'd probably have them. The question needles, is, does Drewski have a fear of needles? What is you picking? There is 0% chance I could effectively accomplish either of these procedures. <laughs> that said, it seems like if we're comparing the situations, Damon had a lot more to uh, lose. resources oh, yeah. at his disposal. I think he had a whole surgery I think situation. when he went pop, 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 like he like shot himself Staples. little. And, no, he, there were like oh, little injections. Killers, he, yeah. Like I'm thinking there, it was numbing something yeah. or other. And if Hank, I could do that, I Hank's could sell myself nothing. all day. <laughs> so I think, and it seemed like Damon knew more like he had done this before or something. He had training in this as an astronaut. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Probably, I don't know. Did you train for that as an astronaut? I'm I don't sure, know. But you're right. He did. He had the state. It just seemed like the, he knew what he was doing and, and Hanks was chiseling out his own tooth. Like that's way more barba barbaric. So I'll go uh, Martian. Obviously. Yeah, I go the Martian too because anything with teeth, anytime my kids hurt themselves and it's near their face, I'm like, did you lose a tooth? Did you lose a tooth. I just have this weird, the sound of tooth chomping together, teeth, whenever I grate my own teeth on accident, I almost throw up. Your fear of needles is my fear of stuff happening to teeth. And also, I did love how they used the tooth thing as a device in Castaway because at that moment, I was like, oh, this isn't just a popcorn flick. Like, like that was pretty gruesome. Yep. That was tough to watch. Well, and the tooth thing brought up the dentist, how he had a dentist who was named Spalding, which was a joke with the volleyball, and then his fiance ended up marrying the dentist, and it was a whole, like, so there's kind of a lot of connective tissue there with the dentist mm -hmm. tooth thing. All right, it is two to one, the Martian. <laughs> it's tooth to one, the it's Martian. It's tooth to one. All right, let's put the ice skate in our mouths and continue. Here we go. Who would you? <laughs> I can't wait. This is the this is the category I couldn't wait. Who would you rather be stranded with? Yes, these are isolation movies, but let's say there was two people that survived and were stranded together on Mars or the island. Would you rather have to be with Watney, or would you rather have to be with our FedEx Employee of the Year, Chuck Nolan? Drew, you start us off. Man, this is tough. <laughs> Actually, I, I feel like I'm pretty clear on this. Well, here's why I'm torn. Uh, my instinct is to say I'd rather be with Hanks because he, we're, you're at least still on Earth. You at least have a shot that a boat could come by and like see you or you could start a fire. You know, like there's a, at least you got a fighting chance. You know how to like, you know how to survive on planet Earth. In space, that's freaking terrifying. However, in space, he's got like all this equipment and he's able to talk to people and like you're way further out, but you're somehow way more connected. I think Watney seemed a lot more confident about surviving. God damn, this is tough. <laughs> on the other hand, you're on an island that's beautiful and you got packages drifting up. It's like Christmas every day for a couple weeks. <laughs> you got coconuts. Do you like coconuts? And it's filled with dumb shit like dresses and fucking ice skates. Ain't no I love crab. I think I think if I'm being honest, I have to say Martian just because there would be this hope that NASA will help us figure it out. Some of the brilliant pe most like, brilliant people in the world. Like if, you, if I'm in day one with both guys, my money is probably on Watney finding a way to contact NASA before Hanks is going to find a way to get us off this godforsaken island. I love that. That's really great justification. Phil. I, I also go Martian. I knew this right away. It was just because Watney is the skilled professional and he's educated and kind of specifically 
trained for not that scenario exactly, but a similar scenario. I mean, you know, I'm sure in NASA you're taught some level of survival and also his ability to grow food and everything. Very important. Also, if you're going to die on Mars, it's going to be instant. Like you're going to walk out, your shoot, your suit's going to depressurize, you're going to implode and that's going to be the end of it. On that's the island, cool. your death is going to be slow and probably painful unless you fall on some jagged rocks and then it still could be slow and painful. So if I had to be stranded in one location or the other with one person or the other, I would choose Watney because he at least gives you a fighting chance. Whereas Tom Hanks is just figuring it out as he goes. And also you could just kill yourself easily in space. Just yes. beep, take your hat open off. the door. Y'all are forgetting. Depressurized. Y'all are forgetting total recall. That wasn't quick. Our eyes were popping out. Yeah. There was also a man coming out of another man's stomach talking like. And a woman mm, with three yeah. boobs. Let's, yeah. let's stick to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's my Mars. Martian ain't my Mars. Okay. It's not my president. Not my Mars. <laughs> you know, I went, I actually went back and forth. I, um, you guys are going to understand this answer coming from me. I need to have an emotional breakdown. Okay. Where we need to have a period of acceptance. I think that Watney would run all over me. The minute he's already like, we're just going to sit down, give ourselves surgery. We're going to talk to the camera. We're going to use shit to grow potatoes. I love that though. I don't want to want to process. I don't need it. to process. I go. need to process what's going on. Processing he, will get you killed. He was just right on it. He was <laughs> just I was like, like, I need a punt to volleyball. Okay. Uh, I need, I, and I feel like, I feel like Nolan would have grieved with me. We could have gone through it together. And I also kind of like that he's a wild card. Yes. Yes. Damon Watney was a professional skilled trained. But I really think I really think Nolan's a wild card. He's, it is three to three to one. The Martian here. What are we doing with ourselves? That's why I love this podcast. I do too. Different, the ridiculously insane, skewed and biased war cards. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they've been close. We've had a couple. The of difference weird ones. is every other thing ever tries to say they have no bias, and we just own the fuck out we of do. A bias. We know every person. There is, that yeah, this is what it's about. It's just about saying no, but the a bunch problem of is, shit. I think we all would agree that Castaway is a better, objectively better film, but the war card is crushing for the Martian right now yeah. because the, the war card gives no shit about the better movie. <laughs> exactly. That's the beauty of the war card, and that is all the brain of Kyle. So, oh, well, thank you. Jobless, Kyle, they silent come, golf yeah, clap. They, we already accept that they're both great movies. People love these movies. We are putting him through the theoretical car wash right now. Speaking of theoretical car wash, this is kind of a different version of the last question. Question. Would you, which, where would you rather be stranded? Not with whom, but what environment? Would you rather be on Mars or would you rather be on the island? Island, easy. It's Earth. It's much more comfortable. A ship could come. There's coconuts. Castaway, easy. Phil Skis. Ooh, this is hard for me because there were movies on Mars. What was he? He was watching some show in the little bubble thing. I, I think I would rather be stranded on the island just because of the tropical thing. But there was, I don't know, man. I just, I love the idea of space so much and being stuck in that weird shelter that he had on Mars was, was kind of appealing. I don't know, because it was modern and he had like food and shit. But uh, I think ultimately I would, I would, uh, man, I'm trying to think like right now if somebody came to me and they were like, hey, you have no choice. You're either going to go to an island on your own or go to Mars and live in this shelter. God, I think I would would pick Mars in the shelter because I think I'm going to die anyway. So why not? Damn. Why not just see a place no one has seen before? I think that fits you. I think you would figure it out. I think you'd figure it out. It's I'd try. The island is too easy for you. It's too easy. I don't you, know about you that. You need challenge. You need your toolbox. You need. You got to be able to do, yeah, fix give me some my shit. Toolbox. Build some shit. I'll, I'll build some shit on Mars. There you go. 
I'll refine some ore. Listen, I don't belong. <laughs> I don't belong in either of these scenarios. I don't need to be so far away from pizza. Del- if I get too far from pizza delivery, if I can't get a pizza, you know, if I can't get a good cup of coffee, I'm screwed. I am. I love to be pampered. <laughs> I, I'm I'm screwed either way here. <laughs> But it's okay. You just said I love to be pampered. I, yeah. I think what you're saying is you're soft. I is that what you're admitting, that what you're admitting to? You guys know I'm I soft. I love to be pampered. I love to be pampered. I'm the guy that when he shows up at the I, hotel, even though it's perfectly available online, I'm like, what are your amenities? Yeah. Do you, Do you have, have any freshly heated? baked cookies? When's the pool open? I won't use it, but it's nice to know that it's available. <laughs> The weight room, again, won't use it. It's nice to know it's there. Exactly, dude. That's amazing. It's on the second floor. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, here's the thing about Mars. I'm going to take a commercial thing here. I am so Marsed out. We're so obsessed with Mars. It's the shittiest looking planet. Yes, I know Jupiter is much more dangerous. It's covered in gas. It just looks cooler. It's a better planet. There are better planets. The gravity alone would crush you instantly. I know, but there's better planets. Why are we so obsessed with Mars? Let's go to Mars and colonize. It's so funny. It's the closest this. one. And also, it's called Mars. Like, what are they? Yeah, Mars, Mars Bars, Mars that Volta. Sounds, that Mars. sounds like Mars Volta, good reference. There you go. Um, Mars just sounds, It Mars sounds like a fucking planet that we don't live on. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be wow. real. Earth it, sounds like a planet that we do live on. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm sick of Drew's Mars. getting it. I'm sick of billionaires wanting to go to Mars. Get over it, man. It's a shitty looking planet. It's not, they call it the red planet. All the footage I'm seeing from the rover, the little go-kart they send up there every six months it's brown it does look like iran it's, like, yeah, we, it, do we need to go do we need an entire planet of iran <laughs> <laughs> they should call it middle east mars location yeah mars elite <laughs> this is our mars resort yeah. of pakistan yeah i don't need any more mars at least you know i do need to be pampered if i do survive which i won't but let's say i survive two weeks maybe i can make a coconut fondue of some kind maybe i can come up with some concoctions things are already growing i have a better chance i would probably live three more days on a planet or on an island than i would on mars three i mean the martian three to two the martian here we're gonna get a little more back on base here we're gonna do a director battle here ridley versus zemeckis ridley scott versus robert zemeckis what can you you give us some constraints because I feel like we can go real, yeah. real far. In these with this. movies, I would these say in movies, these movies. Yeah, I feel like this is a layup for Drew. Yeah, easy. Uh, to me, there is a huge difference. Well, there's two huge differences. One I'll mention now. One at the end. The first difference is the way in which the narrative was moved forward visually. Castaway did an incredible job of telling the story visually. Hanks did an incredible job of acting, not speaking. And so, to me, that speaks to obviously the script, but also the direction in which the script was given. So Zemeckis, I think, did a much better job, whereas Ridley Scott, I think, used a lot of devices as crutches. You know, I think the video journal thing was a crutch to kind of move the plot along. Like, I think being able to send emails and continually ping pong back to base and back to the other crew and all this stuff to kind of move the plot forward, whereas you didn't get any of that with Castaway. You just had a dude jumping around fire and a dude trying to learn how to fish, and like, he was just showing 
giving you his his emotional experience and there was zero telling. Uh, so to me, Ridley Scott failed in that aspect. So Zemeckis. Love it. Phil Skies? Yeah, Zemeckis, he just made a better movie. He made a better film. What's funny, I, I just find it interesting and I would love to uh, get hooked up to some machine with electrodes on it and get this figured out one day. When I really enjoy a film that is, for all intents and purposes, an inferior film like The Martian. Loved it. Would watch it again right now. More fun, in my opinion, than Castaway. All the while I'm sitting here saying Castaway is a far better film. I don't know what that means. But anyway, Zemeckis. Zemeckis. I think Castaway is, I mean, yeah, maybe less fun, but easier to watch, I think. It's easier to just have on because it's like so peaceful. That's true. There's it's, no music. It's just a guy on an island. Like it's very watchable. Well, that like 90s era, which I know this was, uh, this was 2000, right? Oh, one. Mm-hmm. Oh, one. Yeah. It, that was still like, you know, within that bubble of the 90s vibe of films. Those movies had a feel to them, and, yeah. and it was a very, just very uh, endearing. They felt like home. I, I don't know what endearing. it was about films in the '90s, but there was a home kind of feel to them. And you know what's funny is I've always felt that way about '90s movies, and my wife and I share the same sentiment because there will be nights where we're like we just want to watch a '90s movie, and Netflix makes it real hard. You got to scroll way the fuck down. But um, why do you think that is? Do you think it's actually in the filming or do you think that it's just the style and the cars and things that remind us of our childhood? Well, I was that's something I was actually getting at with this point. The other day I accidentally, I was Googling something and you know how Google populates some of the most asked questions underneath your words as you're typing them. I was typing why do and one of the most searched things was why mm-hmm. do many of these movies look a certain way and that was the auto population of my search just from typing why do and what did you find i didn't click on it but mm-hmm. i just thought that was an interesting that was a real so other people that was a real tease this. why do why do 90s movies uh it, i think the search the auto population was why do 90s movies look different part of it was probably the tech the cameras and the, like a lot of sure. the movies now are digital and 4k and or 8k and wide or whatever but but there is a there's an entire century worth of movies at this point you know and every era had their mm-hmm. own thing but 90s movies as a whole i feel like had a certain vibe I'm going to go out on a limb, and I might be wrong, but I think you guys can hang with me on this. I think it's cultural impact. It could be. I think we've when we've covered almost every, we've covered decades from the '60s to the most recent movies on in the you know 2020s whatever on this podcast. Now I think coming out of the '70s, hyper drugs, hippies, free love, '80s, super uptight swing, uptight conservatism, Reaganomics, capitalism, pro everything, pro gun, pro money, pro everything, pro wealth. '90s is kind of like I. Also correlate with music, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, grunge music, sound, you know, rock and roll, grunge, anti-society. It was a, it was it a was, culturally it subversive. Yeah, it decade. wasn't there yet, though. It was swinging up in the nineties. I would say we're now there, where it's like you know, a show like Game of Thrones would not have been acceptable in the nineties. No. You could not have gotten away with it. But the nineties was the warming plate. It was getting us here because it was coming out of that overly conservative late 80s movement to the 90s. And I think filmmakers are experienced because exact what you're talking about, it applies to Point Break. Think about Point Break. Point Break has the same thing. It feels and looks like a 90s movie and it's awesome. But so do so many movies like Speed. Like there was a, yeah, there was there a, was a thing. It was like the hybrid granularity, like and not on a detailed definition of granularity, but like the mo- movies in the 90s had that film look while also looking modern. So I don't know. And, yeah. and it also could have been just a, like you said, a cultural thing. Uh, the 90s, I feel like was the last really American decade. Yeah. It was prior to 9-11. Everything post 9-11 has been 
us just trying to keep our heads above action water. heroes were american they were always symbols for america somehow like they were fighting because think about this nothing ideals. crazy other than gulf war one ending happened in the 90s like there were a few things oklahoma city there were some in the in the you know there the 96 olympic bombing there there were some rough events every decade has rough events but the 90s were the last decade of like relatively peaceful prosperous ultra american we were the cultural touchstone for the world and then post 9-11 it's been 9-11 the recovery from that the epic economic crash in 2008 recovery from that there were a lot of economic and world issues in 2014 and now then covid and now the russian thing it's like i feel like we've been just reeling since everything feels accelerated. since 2001 it does seem like 9-11 shocked everyone into the reality that we're not the only country on the planet it's like oh there's another there are other countries and some of them hate us yeah. Whereas Which, in the by 90s, the way, this yeah. um, Castaway came out in 2000, not 2001. So actually pre-9-11. Yeah. Which makes sense because I don't know that this movie would have come out. They probably would have bumped it like a movie about totally. a plane going down. That would have probably not flown. Would not have flown intended. at all. And it would have looked different. It would have felt different. It would have been. <laughs> I just said a movie about a plane going <laughs> down wouldn't have flown. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mean to say that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, anyway. it, was, it was very pun intentional. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think of this category as in what could we have had because really Ridley Scott was not the first director. He was the first after. So Drew Goddard, who at the time when The Martian came out, was a very coveted writer. He wrote this. But is it one of the reasons the author says he loved Drew Goddard's screenplays because it was very loyal to the book. He did very little to change it. He didn't adapt it too much. It's very faithful. And you can kind of tell that he didn't go on a limb. And I think Ridley Scott, you know, knew that it was a beloved book and didn't want to change a lot. So I don't think he took a lot of creative license. But listen to some of the credits that Drew Goddard has. He was a producer on Daredevil. He wrote and produced Cloverfield, The Martian. He was a huge producer on Lost. He and Alias, he was a producer and a writer on Alias. He has a really cool track record. I would love to have seen what he would have done instead of Ridley Scott. I think it could have been better. You say he... What did he do on Daredevil? Wrote and produced the show. Oh, the show. The show. Not the movie. Not the show that's a lot better than the movie. But anyway, all that to say, I would have loved to have seen it without Ridley Scott. And this just comes down to one thing. This is Ridley Scott minus phallic aliens. All right? And it wasn't nice. I like him or better. Coliseums. In, yeah, and Coliseums. I need, Ridley Scott needs a good Coliseum. He needs a good acid-blooded alien. This was space minus aliens for, for Ridley Scott. Therefore, it goes to Mechas. And Zemeckis just does a thing. He has this emotional thing. He just hooks you. He knows how to jab you. He did it in Forrest Gump. He does it here. He's just like, I'm going to make you cry. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he made a more, he just made a better film that has more staying power. It is tied officially three to three. And this was Drew's category I want to add, so I'll let you kick it off. Music, best music. I thought the Martian music thread was a little bit lame just because A, disco music sucks. And I know that that was kind of the punchline, but it just, it was kind of annoying. Like it kept being really serious source material, but then again, like Damon kept being kind of quippy and playing this terrible music and it just felt kind of like eye roll every time there was another needle drop, you know, and he was, like I already mentioned, he was making the jokes about how this is the least disco song I could find and, you know, giving the girl shit because her music taste sucks. Like it just wasn't, it didn't work for me. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, whereas I thought the Elvis songs, all the needle drops in Castaway before the plane goes down all felt like kind of pertinent to what was going on. You had Blue Christmas or 
during the Christmas, which, side note, Castaway, kind of a cool Christmas movie. Didn't know that. Agreed. Um, just, especially in the 90s, or felt like a 90s Christmas movie. Anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, just like, uh, I think one of them was like All Shook Up, Heartbreak Hotel. Like, there's some really, just some good, uh, you know, fitting Elvis songs. And then the plane goes down, and then you have no music, which I thought was an excellent mu- use of lack of music, because they want you to feel alone. And then, at the end, you have, just, as soon as he gets over that, he crests that wave that seems like he's never going to get over or whatever, then Silvestri's score begins. And it kind of like, it's like you're officially emotionally off the island and the music lifts and swells and it's the most beautiful score. And mm-hmm. I just thought that the, it was really beautifully done. Top to top to bottom. Love it. Soup to nuts. Whatever that means. Phil! I'm not going to artificially elongate this podcast with a prescription of extends. Uh, everything Drew said is literally my thoughts, so I go cast away as well. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, you the the moment, here's the thing, I really don't remember the score aside from the needle drops in The Martian. I do remember being brought to tears by the moment the score comes in in Castaway and Alan Silvestri, one of the most impressive composers ever, Back to the Future. Impressory. Uh, yeah, exactly. Endgame, Infinity Marvel, War. Baby. Did all the Marvel movies. Flight, which is another great Zemeckis Silvestri movie. Silvestri is fucking awesome. He's everywhere. And like he said, like Zemeckis said, it's not that he has to always compose. He knows how to use silence. He knows how to let sounds breathe. I feel like that is that is honestly the cornerstone of any art, is mm-hmm. knowing when to shut the fuck up. Yep. Because space is just as important as filling space, and do, with, do what you will with that. Yeah, I wanted to read all of his filmography. I just showed it to Drew on my laptop. Go Take a moment, look at it, you'll yeah, understand. you don't have time to go through it. Yeah, incredible. It is four to three. Castaway is now casting stones at the Martian. Two categories. Who wins? This is very close. <clears throat> what is the biggest flex? We've got a flex category. F-L-E-X flex. Making a best friend out of a volleyball you found in a FedEx box or using your own shit to grow potatoes. Phil, what's the biggest flex? Ooh, ooh. Using, I, I gotta go with using your own shit to grow potatoes. That is just, not only are you using your own shit and the shit of your ship mates to grow potatoes. That is disgusting. And then you're eating them. Human shit. At least with cow shit or whatever they mix into the soil when farming other things, it's probably shit from Scott's fertilizer or whatever. (laughs) But at least when growing the food we eat, there's a disconnect there. But you not only know the DNA of the shit that is going into the food that you are growing to help you survive, but it is shit and then you're eating those shit potatoes and that is a flex. Uh, Meanwhile, talking to a volleyball just seems like the natural evolution of a guy who's a little on an island for four years. So I go Martian. For the, sake of this, for the sake of this category, I'll say colonizing Mars is a bigger flex. I go the Martian here too. And uh, I really don't have much more to say other than I, I wouldn't want to eat potatoes made from my own shit. But when <laughs> what's I wonder fun- if they, they have that earthy, <laughs> shitty flavor. To yeah, them, real peaty. And yeah. also, <laughs> what was he, I guess the question, real question is, what is what did he eat before to produce that fecal matter that made the potatoes? I guess that's going to add space to the flavor food. profile. Yeah, because so. he, was, he was in space for what? Space paste. A year or something? Yeah. Also, funny enough, this when I think of both of these movies, th- these are the things I think of. I think of Wilson, and when I think of The Martian, the first thing I think of is the shit potatoes. I don't know why. Of all the things in The Martian, I think, oh, that's the movie about the guy, not about a guy that gets lost on Mars, but a guy who eats potatoes out of his own shit. That's literally what I think of. Yeah. 
so. And sprinkles Xanax on top. <laughs> yeah. That is actually the, my favorite that, scene. That's really funny. I'm just going to crush up the Xanax. All right. It is tied. We got one category left, and this is another Drew category. I love this idea. Kick us off, Drew. Best post-isolation look, also known as the Beard and Ass Award. Uh, they took a year off in between filming the first part of this movie and the back half of this Cast movie. Castaway. And in between, which is, this is a flex, Zemeckis hired that same film crew to go film What Lies Beneath in that year off while Hanks lost weight and got tan and grew a beard, basically, which I thought was Pretty pretty dope. That's a good flex. Uh, I think he he just looks cooler. He pulls off the more fraggled, like sunburnt, like caveman vibe. Whereas obviously Damon has he's getting kind of weird, but he still has like supplies. You know, he can still cut his own beard. He's got shears and stuff. I'm sure in the ship. So to me, it's it's Hanks easy. Yeah, love it, Phil. Yeah, layup for Hanks. He looks like, I mean, a Rasta dude you'd, you know, meet at the grocery store. It's really fucking cool. Um, he looks great. And plus, he looks like he's just waiting on a skin cancer diagnosis versus Damon. Well, one thing I will say is Damon's skinniness in The Martian, I felt like was very believable. Whereas, like, Tom Hanks looked kind of like he'd been working out and was, like, modestly shredded for being a dude stranded on an island, which Get I guess lift coconuts. Bro. Yeah, he's climbing trees, he's climbing mountains, whatever. Damon looked emaciated. It was it was kind of hard to watch, but I think uh, Tom Hanks takes the cake on this one. You got more ass from Damon, too. Did we yeah. see Hanks' ass? I think you yeah. see parts of his ass. Yeah, you more, see, like, there's, but there's always that flap kind of... Mm, more of that yeah. ass You want Damon. more of Hanks' ass. You want it, you need it, but you yeah. don't get it. <laughs> You yeah. crave it. Yeah. What do you, you think, want? Kyle? It. You love it. You want some more of it. Wh- whose ass do you prefer? <laughs> I uh, you an well, ass or a beard man. I definitely wanted. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's not an episode until Kyle goes bronchial. Oh no! <laughs> He's got Are, Russell Wilson starting quarterback uh, yeah. for the Denver oh, Bronchial. Oh, oh, I just got <laughs> I, I just got two first round draft picks and Noah Fant <laughs> for that that one. That was. Are, are you, you sure an, Kyle didn't discover cigarettes from the last episode? <laughs> ass yeah. or a beard, man? Kuda, the, that is the cat. You are the category. Listen, I I think I think Castaway wins. There are moments. Astaway. Astaway. <laughs> <laughs> I had a mouthful of bourbon, otherwise I'd have gone there. Oh, Drew's always going to beat you on the words. He is, yeah. You know, there are some moments. I don't know if you guys like looked at his feet. We're watching it in 4K on, on the big screen. There are moments where his tan looks painted on. It doesn't look real. If you really look at it, it, it doesn't look authentic. The moment I, the Martian lost his category is when he's fixing to leave, and he pulls out his fancy electric razor. He has NASA privilege, okay? He's sure. Be, he's been on this planet... <laughs> Yeah, he's on a he's, he's on a planet fifty million miles away. But he's or got all kinds of tools. He's got he's can do self surgery. He has NASA privilege. There's privilege and there's NASA privilege. He, he kind of just like oh yeah. By the way, I've, I've just kind of been holding out on you guys. I've got the electric razor. I'm just gonna yeah, what a perfect trim. He's cutting his hair. Was yeah exactly. No one's <laughs> just like this is me until I meet Helen Hunt again. Okay, so five to four castaway man. Woo! This, I was sweating it there for a minute. Poof, I love these close ones, man. This makes me want to take a take a beachfront vacation to an unknown to island. 
Thank you so much for getting lost on an island with us. I have a final thought. Both of these movies try to accomplish a similar thing, which is we've covered this. It's a man against its environment. And I think both of them accomplish it in a good way. The reason to me that Castaway is set apart is because it takes a step further and shows you what the environment did to the man and how he came out better for it. And I feel like where, you know, in The Martian, Damon gets home and he's kind of teaching, he's helping other people. He's, yeah, teaching so the guy on the- he's talking about the importance of math and all this shit, and that's fine, but you didn't really feel, there was no bass notes, really. So it was just of kind of like a nice little bow at the end, whereas Castaway, there's some serious weight behind, you know, it's like not only did he lose the love of his life the first time, he lost her again, he mourned her again, uh, but, you know, just the moments when he was like picking up the, the lighter and the, the crab legs and like kind of taking moments to be like, wow, like what have I taken for granted? You know, and he's looking at the bottle of water in his car like, huh, I have a bottle of water, like just in my car. Like it's just the little things that we're all kind of reminded of like, wow, in that moment, again, it was all visual storytelling. There were no words. It was just the viewer was struck with, wow, like we all have so much to, to be thankful for, even though we've all been through so much. So I love that. To me, the Castaway is far and away the better movie and a uh, better person for having seen it. Phil, preferences. Preferences. This is going to be a weird one. Castaway is far and away the better movie, but gun to my head, which one would I rather watch right now? The <laughs> Martian. I enjoy it was fun and it was like a weird unbelievable detachment from real life mm-hmm. and uh maybe that speaks to something I need to dive deep in. <laughs> into. What is uh, your boy? I could see you guys yeah. hanging out. Yeah, we, w- we would hang. We you would, would grow scraggly, scurvy-ass beards together. As far as like a matchup enjoying movies equally, I'm not sure I've enjoyed two movies as equally as these two to where I just was fully in on both of them. I think while recognizing that Castaway is far and away the better film, I think personally for whatever reason, maybe it's because of space, I would prefer to watch The Martian. But Castaway is the better movie. I don't get, I don't even understand my own thoughts on this. No, show. I get what you're saying i totally well, don't always prefer the better thing true because sometimes yeah. the better movie is is maybe heavier weightier more burdensome to watch so i get that castaway mm-hmm. is a much heavier film for sure i go castaway my biggest my biggest issue and it's first of all ridley scott or drew goddard whoever you want to blame did not do a lot of work to adapt the screenplay it's a very true to the author's vision he was so happy that they kept it true to his vision in the interviews on the special features to me it's not the same thing on screen as it is in a book it it needs a touch. It needs a director's touch and it needs a screenplay writer's touch. I don't necessarily think it transcended the medium of the book. I also think one thing that I loved about, and you talked about the 90s thing, it touched on the psychological element, but it wasn't the whole thing. If that movie was made today, he would be having visions of murdering people. It would be this crazy psychological, like you couldn't make that movie without it being a crazy expose and the destruction yeah. of the psyche. I then love there that There would be sad. a long scene at the it'd end be, of the council. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd, all, it'd be some statement on mental health or something. And it'd be violent. It would be everything. It had enough 90s touch, but it did touch on the psychological components. And like you said, Drew, the heartache of having to lose her twice. I know that Watney was a botanist and a scientist, but I just needed a little touch of this is hard. For so long, he's just like, oh, I got to science the shit out of this. I'm a botanist. I'm just like, I just need a little. This sucks. I'm stranded here. I'm very far from Hmm. anyone. I've been left here. My peers left me here and I'm alone. And there was never, I just, I didn't need a lot of it because Castaway doesn't give you a ton of it. It just gives you a good moderate 90s amount. I just needed more of that. I never connected. 90s amount. It gives you a 90s amount. I just, 90% of it. I never connected with Watney. Um, he was very, it was like he was on a different planet in this movie. <laughs> you know, 
you know, yeah. you know, so, uh, Not my planet. anyway, but the puns abound in this, this, <laughs> this episode, so, good lord, uh, there's so, not enough space for all the puns, oh! <laughs> oceans of puns, oh, uh, well, we're fixing the big crunch, some brisket, or big, what now, I hope it's not crunchy, not the That'd big crunch, weird. the big bang, never mind, that doesn't work, it's like Nora the Explorer yeah, all over the again, what are you talking <laughs> I'm Drew. Uh, hey, thank you for hanging out on this island with us. We love you. I'm Kyle. I'm Fair. I'm Drew. Bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for supporting Movie Wars. We have one more small ask. For just $7 a month, that's right, the price of one measly latte a month, you can support us on Patreon. This will get you access to special content, one-off episodes, and even live Q&As with the hosts, myself included. Also, more money helps us make more content, more episodes, drop stuff more frequently, and just get better all around. Not to mention, it'll feed our children. And isn't that what it's all about? The children. I'm going to drop the link in the episode description. If you're on Apple, on Spotify, you can go to that episode description and find that link to our Patreon. Also, if you are on social media, we are active on all platforms, but we are especially active on TikTok. Find us at Movie Wars Podcast on TikTok. Thanks again for your support. We love you. Bye.